be an usher, the man, hospitality, choir, media, music, the man, sound ministry, guys on the parking lot, deacons, ministers. Just thank God for all of you, amen, for serving today. Thank God for our guests. Thank God for those who are uh, watching online, amen. It's just good to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Somebody said it's another day's journey. And I'm glad about it. Amen. Praise be to God. Amen. Turn to Luke's gospel. Amen. The gospel of Luke. Thank you so much, Reverend Elsie, for the morning yesterday for the wonderful job officiating that funeral. Thank you so much. Amen. God, we ask now that you will bless our time together 
Holy Spirit, teach us this day that our lives will be the better, that our prayer life will be the greater, and our dependence upon you, God, will be the greater. But God, how we need you now. Speak now through this vessel of clay. Look beyond our faults and see our needs. So I pray now that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, O oh God, will be accepted in your sight. For you are my Lord, you are my strength and my redeemer. So I have thine own way. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor before you take your seat. Neighbor. Well, it's good to see you. How's your week been? Just for a few moments, with the help of God, the Holy Spirit, in your prayers, I want to uh, just simply uh, talk from this on this subject this morning: total dependence. Amen. You may have a seat. Total dependence. Let's just please let those in. For you, thank you so much, Ashes, for your, your service. Total dependence. It was that author, F.B. Meyer, the author of the great little book, The Secret of Guidance, said the great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. Instead of it being something we do every day, like breathing, eating, walking, talking, it seems to have become like that little glass box covered on the side of the wall that says, break in case of emergency. It is true that so very often that many associate prayer with crises in their life. That is, they don't call on God until they find themselves in a jam. And then on the other hand, for others, it is simply something we do at the start of a special event. Whether it's a meeting, a program, a sporting event, uh, we, we treat it as though it's just something we do for the moment, but feel not something we do every, every day. But throughout history, the men and women that God used mightily have been people who knew both the priority and the necessity of prayer. When you consider Daniel, the Bible says that Daniel prayed when he found out the decree had been signed. And Daniel went into his chambers, opened the window, and he prayed three times a day as he always did. And then it was David who was truly used by God mightily. And David says in the psalm, Sister Howard, David says that I'll seek you morning, noon, and night. And then when you see the Apostle Paul picks up on that, and Paul says you ought to pray always and pray without, without ceasing. But then there's Hannah in 1 Samuel, Lady Lakedra, Hannah who prayed earnestly to the Lord. She did not 
she was not verbal in her prayer, but it was a prayer that was hidden in her heart and only her lips moved, but she prayed earnestly to the Lord. But not only Hannah, but there was also Anna. Anna, who was in the first chapter of Luke, Anna, who prayed to the Lord. The Bible said that she prayed day and night. And so these individuals that God used greatly, they understood both the priority and the necessity of prayer. And as we studied the gospel, Sam, and training of the disciples by our Lord, we find that prayer is to be a vital part of the disciples' life. Amen. There's no way that one can be a disciple or a follower of Christ and not have times of prayer. I wish y'all were here. Now. I can be a believer, but can I truly be a disciple? Because a disciple is a pupil. A disciple is a learner. A disciple is one who is following their teacher. And so when it comes to the life of the disciple, we ought to be people of prayer. When you look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, and verses 1 through 4, and the parallel passage in Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, is something called the Lord's Prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, but in reality, it's not the Lord's Prayer, but it is the disciple's prayer. Uh, or better yet, it's called the model prayer because it's not some magical phrase or some magical words that he expected or intended us to pray every time we pray, but yet he was laying out a model for the disciples to use. He was giving them a pattern that they would use when you pray, and that is when you pray, understand that first of all, your focus is on the Father. That's why he opens that prayer and he says, our Father. And understand that he's not just your Father, but he's also your God. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy name. Remember who you're talking to, hallowed be thy name. But then he says it's not only remembering who you're talking to, but then you've got to understand it's not about you, it's not about your program, it's not about getting your, your will done in heaven, it's about God, getting God's will done on earth. Amen. Because he goes on and says, uh, your kingdom come. He says, thy will be done. And he goes on to talk about God's praying for God's program. But after God's program, he says, now you can go ahead and make your petition. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Forgive those who have trespassed against us. And then lead us not into temptation. But he says, before you close that prayer out, this model shows us that before you close it out, there ought to be a word of praise. I wish somebody was in here today. So he lays out this model for us, Dr. Thomas, that prayer simply when you start, understand you're talking to the Father. And you ought to open it up praising and honoring the Father before you lay your petitions down and throw your list of wants, needs, concerns, and frustrations. And you ought to first of all spend time worshiping the God who has made it possible for you to be able to come to him in the first place. 
And after you've praised him and prayed about his program, then you made your petition, then you need to make sure you close it with a word of praise. And so Jesus he shows them this model, and we'll get into that in the weeks to come. But today, I want to simply shine the spotlight on the fact of total dependence. That's really what prayer is about. It is totally depending on God in every area, every aspect of my life. When I faithfully go to God in prayer, I'm saying to God, I need you. I need you. I can't do this on my own. I need your guidance, your wisdom, your direction. I need you to help me do whatever it is I have to do. And so when we look at this text, Stephen Tobal, we see, first of all, the plea of the disciple. Notice the plea of the disciple in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he stopped, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. The disciples had heard that John had taught his disciples on prayer, and they too, Green, wanted some enlightenment or instruction from Jesus. They wanted to know how can we talk to God. We want to be able to talk to him in the right way. We want to be able to talk to him and get the results when we go to God in prayer. The disciples had heard how John taught his disciples on prayer, and the disciples said, Lord, teach us how to pray. It is Dr. Howard Hendricks, Rev. Morgan, who points out, we never find in scripture when the disciples ask, Lord, teach us how to witness, teach us how to perform miracles, Teach us how to walk on water. Teach us how to take two fish, five loaves of bread, and multiply it and feed multitudes. They never asked him, teach us how to heal people, uh, or teach us how to teach. But in this passage, we find them understanding that prayer is a priority. And out of all of the questions that they could ask Jesus, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Just imagine if you had the opportunity to live and walk with Jesus for some two to three years and sit up under his teaching day in and day out, and you could ask him anything. I'm just wondering how many of us would have asked him the question. Lord, teach us how to pray. What was the motivation behind this question and why is it so important? Why is prayer so important? It was what they saw in the life and ministry of Jesus. I believe that's what it was, Phil. It's what they saw in the life and ministry of Jesus. They regularly saw demonstrations of his power. They, they heard of his wise words and saw wonderful works. On one occasion, someone said, no man has ever taught a talk with such power and authority. They saw how he uh, handled his enemies and his critics. It was something about his life, Dr. Allen, and his ministry that caused them to raise this question, Lord, teach us how to pray. They regularly saw demonstrations of his power. They, they heard his words. They saw the lame walk. They saw the blind see, the sick healed, the deaf hear, the demon possessed, delivered. It wasn't just prayer. It was the way he prayed in relation to all that he was and all that he did in his life while he was here on earth. 
It was, it was his attitude in prayer that saturated his total being and living, his very, his every step in action and his relationship was with a dependence on the Father. And the disciples saw how he depended on the Father. They saw that when Jesus would get away in a certain place or secluded place and he'd come back and he was able to do miraculous things because he had an intimate relationship with the Father. And they saw something in his life and ministry and they said, Lord, teach us. Enlighten us how to pray. He didn't teach them any special skills, nor, nor did he teach them any type of position, whether they needed to kneel, stand, lift up their hands. He just simply showed them the priority and the importance and the necessity of prayer because Jesus would often get alone by himself and even pray in public, but he was showing them how they needed to depend on the Father. So he doesn't give them any particular language. He doesn't tell them they need to have a special voice. He doesn't tell them they need to have uh, uh, any oil or special garment uh, or they need to always go into a private room. But here's the thing about it. You ought to have a place where you can close away the world and focus on the Father. So when he talks about a certain place or a secluded place or the Lord, in on one occasion, Matthew chapter 14, being alone up in a mountain, you don't always, that, that going into your secret prayer closet doesn't necessarily mean you got to go in your bedroom, get in your closet, or, or go in the bathroom and close the door. But what it does mean is that you need to close out any distraction, anything that will hinder you from focusing on the Father. So the plea of the disciples is, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because if the truth, if the truth be told, we, we, we have books on prayer. We talk about prayer. But we probably talk about it and read about it more than we do it. And, and, and so a lot of times we really don't know what to pray for. Amen. I know, I know, you, I know you're a super saint, but the truth be told, I, I will admit there are times I really don't know what to pray for. And, and I'm going to talk about that because that's in the Bible. Because uh, Romans chapter 8 says, listen, we know we need to pray, but we don't always know what to pray. We know how to pray. We know the mechanics of prayer, but we don't know all we don't always know what to pray in a particular situation. Amen. I wish I had somebody here. Uh, uh, because there are times that I've gone to, to the hospital, and you know, sometimes you have none of y'all that go to this church, but sometimes there are other people, family members from other churches and walks of life, and you know, they're super saints and they have capes on and halos and has uh, SC on their chest, super Christian. And, and so when, when I pray and I close that prayer, I pray that the Lord will would be done. And when I close out that prayer, I say, Lord, and let your will be done. I've had people pull me to the side and say, you know, that's kind of a contradiction. You pray for them to be healed, but then you pray, Lord, let your will be done. Like you just, you know, you're not really uh, praying for the healing. But yeah, I pray because I do understand at the end of the day, everything is in his hands. He says, let your request be made 
going unto him. I made my request that just like Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, let this cup pass from me. If we can do this another way, Vince, I want to go about it another way. He says, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless. So if I'm wrong, Jesus must have been wrong. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will, but your will be done. I wish I had some praise in me. This is just Bible, baby. I'm just preaching and teaching Bible. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, this is the word. <laughs> That's the plea of the disciple. And it really ought to be the plea of every child of God. Lord, teach us. Teach us to pray. Lord, I want a better prayer life. I want a closer walk with you. Lord, teach us to pray. But then secondly, let me say a word. Secondly and lastly, let me say a word about the practice of Jesus. Because the prayer of our Lord, the Bible says that he was in a certain place praying. Prayer for our Lord was a priority and a necessity because from the standpoint of his humanity, he was totally convinced he could do nothing on his own. You do know that Jesus is both God and man. 100% God, 100% man. He is the man, Jesus Christ. Amen. He is the son of God. Yet he is God. His beginning did not begin in Bethlehem. But when God said uh, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, he was right there in the beginning. When he says, let us make man in our image, he was right there in the beginning. When Moses goes to the top of the mountain in Exodus chapter 3, and it says, and the angel of the Lord appeared unto Moses, talking about Jesus. It was not an angel, it was talking about Jesus. Throughout the Old Testament, we see Jesus showing up periodically. So his beginning did not begin in Bethlehem. He is God. He has always been God, will always be God. He thought it not robbery, though he was equal with God, that he took on the form of a servant, of a man. And I wish I had a praying crowd here. And listen, Bible goes on to say that in the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and confess that he is. Matter of fact, Jesus even says, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. In Matthew chapter 14, when the disciples were on the stormy sea, Jesus said, they said, Lord, is that you? He says, I am. He said, it is I. That's the same phrase over in the Old Testament. You've heard it before where he says, I am. He was simply saying to them, God has showed up. I got this one right here because God has showed up. And that ought to really motivate us in our prayer life to know that we are calling on God. And he will show up. I was to try to teach this, but I felt a preach in my spirit, and, and, and he will show up. I wish I had somebody that could tell your neighbor, I know what prayer can do. I know what it can do. It can heal the sick. I know what it can do. Daniel was preserved because of prayer. I know what prayer is able to do. I've called him for myself, and I know he will show up. 
attitude that governed the life of the Savior. Listen to what Jesus says, the practice of Jesus. Jesus totally depended on the Father. In John 5 and 19, he says, the Son can do nothing on his own accord. Then in John 8, 28 through 29, then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall, ye, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. For Jesus' prayer was a way of life, an absolute necessity. It was a means of communion with the Father and the means of bringing the power of God the Father to the humanity of Jesus Christ. Because though Jesus was very God, Jesus generally did not perform his, his works independently of the Father. It was the Father working through Jesus the man. So in the midst of a busy schedule, in the midst of a busy schedule because he understood how much he needed the Father. In Mark chapter one, the Bible says Charlene, he was busy. Had been healing people all day, teaching people all day. They even made their way to the house, to the door where he was. But Jesus got up, he had been dealing with people all day long, even into the late hours of the night. But he gets up early in the morning and he leaves the house and goes to a secluded place to pray. In the midst of a busy schedule, when people were demanding his attention, he retired to pray so he could draw on the resources of the Father. He knew that the Son could do nothing on his own. Listen, we are never too busy, EJ, to pray. I'll tell you that we're never too busy to pray. But now most of us, much of the time, feel as we are too busy to pray. You know, we're so important. Our schedules are just jam-packed in fear. We, I, I mean, you think about all the things you have to do. We have to sleep. We have to work. Have to take care of the kids, have to help with homework, have to fix dinner, have to get them ready for bed. We have to have some downtime, some me time. And, and when all those things are done, uh, uh, it's hardly time for prayer. At least that's what we try to tell ourselves. And yet, the truth is, we need prayer as much as we need to sleep, as much as we need to eat rest and drink water. Each of us needs prayer. We, 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 we need to rely on God to help us and direct us daily. If you need to eat every day, if you need to uh, 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 drink water every day, if you need to sleep every day, you certainly need to pray every day. Because what prayer is to your spirit man, what, 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 what food, water, and rest is to your physical man, prayer is to your spirit man. Now, if you go a whole week, if you go a whole week without water, without sleep, and without food, I guarantee you, your physical body is going to be weak. I wish I had somebody here. But however, if you go a whole week without praying, your spiritual man is going to be weak. Somebody gonna cuss you or cuss them right back. 
somebody gonna cut you off, you're gonna practice a little tag team road rage and you're gonna run up and try to cut them off. Your spouse will get on your nerves, you're gonna turn something to push a button to get on their nerve. Jesus had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And you're talking about busy? But yet he took out time to pray. And he was definitely more busy than we would ever be. So how much more do you and I need to pray? When it was time to choose the 12 disciples, the Bible says that Jesus retired uh, himself into a, a private place to pray. He, he wasn't reviewing applications. He wasn't looking at qualifications. He wasn't looking at resumes. But he went to a place to pray. Because the son can do nothing on his own. He needed the direction, the wisdom, and the provision of the father before he selected those men who would carry on the work after he was gone. And then when Jesus stood at the tomb of Lazarus, he raised his eyes heavenward in dependence and gave thanksgiving to the Father for what the Father was about to do. The actual prayer of the words that Christ prayed uh, are not given in the text, only the fact that he lifted his eyes toward heaven. And, and, and he was depending on the Father to do whatever the Father was going to do. And he says, I thank you that you've always heard me. Here, as a matter of fact, let me read it for you. John chapter 11, verse 41 and 42. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. He wanted everybody standing around to know that he was depending upon the Father. Even though he was the Christ, the Messiah, yet he was depending on the Father. If Lazarus was going to get up, Jesus in his humanity, he knew that God was going to have to perform this great miracle through him. In Mark 6 and 41, when he fed the 5,000, the words, and he looking up to heaven, demonstrates once again his prayerful dependence on the Father. And he gave thanks, let the Father know that he was thankful for what he was about to do through the man Jesus. Think of Jesus Christ. Listen, think. He was the Son of God. God incarnate, the perfect man, the absolute creator God. He was the constant delight and joy of the Father's heart. He always pleased the Father. Now thinking of him, ask yourself this question. How much did he personally, as a man, contribute to his mighty works, deeds, and ministry? Nothing. As a man, he didn't contribute much to his works, his deeds, and ministry. You don't believe me? John chapter 14, 10. Write it down. Read it when you get home. John 14, 10. Christ himself gives the answer. He says, but the Father residing in me performs his miraculous deeds. Jesus said, it's not I but it's the God in me that's performing these miraculous deeds. It is not me in my humanity, but it is the Father who I'm totally dependent on working through the man, Jesus 
Christ. That's why we can't never brag and boast about anything he allows us to do because at the end of the day, we are nothing. I wish I had somebody here. And without him, we can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things which strengthen me. I got to depend on him to the day. But we have to depend on him. When I go to him, Sherry, there ought to be an expectation and a dependence that he will do something. Prayer is not for an emergency use only when we get into a fix and need somebody to bail us out. Prayer, Chelsea, is not Aladdin's lamp or a trip to the wishing well where you get your wants met. Prayer is a means of intimate communion, fellowship, and dependence upon God the Father who has promised to work in us and through us as he works through his Son. There is no activity in the life of a believer which does not require a prayerful attitude. Every activity. Everything I do, I need to be, have a prayerful attitude. In ourselves, we can do nothing. Paul expressed it like this in Galatians. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live, in the body I live, because of the faithfulness of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me in practical terms. Pastor, what does that mean? It simply means we can't handle the tragic news that will come our way without prayerful dependence on the Father. Because when that phone call comes at 3 a.m. in the morning and your heart begins to race, because anybody calling you at 3 or 2.30, 3.30 in the morning, you know it can't be good. And when you pick up the phone without prayer, able to handle the news that would cut me to the core. But when I've been walking with him and talking to him and depending on him, whatever comes, I wish I had something. The lesson we've been preparing to teach, it simply means, Malika, we can't do it effectively without prayerful dependence. It means that while we usually recognize, Dr. Allen, our need of God's power to evangelize and witness, we tend to take for granted and operate in our own abilities in other areas because we think a task doesn't seem too difficult or it's within our area of expertise. I went to school for this. I was trained for that. I know how to do this right here. So we don't depend on God. We don't call on God. But listen, he gives us a beautiful illustration in Luke's Gospel chapter 5 when the Bible says that the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God and Peter was out of his boat cleaning his nets and Jesus walks up and Jesus said, let me use your boat. He says, let me use your boat. He said, push out a little bit from the shore. After he teaches the people, he says to Peter now, move out into the deep. And he says, let down your net. Peter could have been arrogant. Peter could have been foolish. Peter could have said, you know what, Jesus? You're the carpenter, son. You know how to fix things and make things out of wood. Jesus, you're a good teacher. You're a great teacher. But Jesus, we're the fishermen. We know how to fish. We know where to fish, the right time to fish. We've been fishing in these waters for years, but yet because you said it, I will go ahead and let down my net. And because, listen, when we lean 
and our own ex experience uh, and our own education and creativity and ingenuity. We will limit ourselves, uh, but we need to learn to depend on God, uh, even in areas where we've been trained, we've been taught, we've been educated, and approach everything uh, with the fact that the matter and the truth uh, that I can't do nothing without you. you gave me the natural ability to sing but God if you don't do something in me God I won't be able to do this God you called me to preach your word but if you don't do something in me I won't be able to do this God I know you called me to be a Sunday school teacher but God I won't be effective if I don't spend time with you in your, in your word and in prayer listen I tell the preachers all the time this is what you do this is how you preach this is how you preach this is how you do it you want to prepare first of all you want to you want to pray you want to pray prepare practice that is rehearsing go over it read it keep reading over it and then pray again and then preach and then after you preach pray again I wish I had somebody here because you can learn the mechanics of how to put a lesson together, how to put a sermon together. You can go to school and learn all of that. You can get books and learn all of that, but you're going to need the Spirit of God so you can say like Paul, I don't want my preaching to be just mere words, but I want it to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit because I can get up and read something. I can get up and lecture about something, but if God don't move it ain't going to move your heart. I wish I had somebody here. Because it is God that we should be totally dependent on. Biblical Christianity is living by faith, prayerful dependence on God. It's never a matter of living by who or what we are. Our insight, our background our experience, our training, our giftedness. Rather, it's the matter of living by faith in God's word and a life of intimate, prayerful dependence on the Father. Prayer is everyday. Living moment by moment. Minute by minute. Depending on the Father. Prayer, prayer is not, hear me, prayer is not you, you, you reaching up to God. Prayer actually is God, a loving Father, leaning down to listen to his child. I, I was reminded of this, I was reminded of this, uh, uh, David says that he was in a horrible pit, that he, he inclined his ear, he, he, he leaned, to hear my, my cry. I was thinking about this the other day when Nyla was much younger and Kobe, and Kobe's age, and Kobe has a tendency to do it if he, if he doesn't want anybody else to hear or he feels like he's got to tell me something that's really important. Is it Papa? He's down here. Is it Papa? Come here. He can't come up here. So I have to come down. And, and I lean in, and he, he puts his ear right up, he puts his mouth right up to my ear. And, and his words sometimes are so soft that I can barely hear. But thank God, our Heavenly Father, 
regardless of how soft our words might be. He, he, he bends down like a father and he makes his ear available. Even the whispers of a small child and even, even the incomplete sentences, the, the, the funny words, the, the, the shakiness of a broken heart and a broken voice when that child is hurting in the same way God Thank you. 
keep no secret. Because I don't want you to keep it. So it's a secret. Oh, busy body here. It's a secret. Run, tell them something. He can't! He can't!